The curtain opens. The lights go up. Those first few notes of magic. The crew that brings it all to you is here to tell you what it's like to live the backstage life. This is show call. Hey everyone, welcome to Show Call. I'm your host, Chad Allen. My guests tonight work at local legendary Seattle venues. First, we have marketing manager of the Tractor Tavern, Lee Bazizikoff. Hello, thank you. Next, we have marketing and ticket manager at El Corazon and the Funhouse, Jordan Swider. Hi. Hello, Jordan. And finally, we have talent buyer of the Central Saloon, Michael Gill. How you doing, Michael? Good, how are you? Good, good. Uh, first thing I want to talk about is um, the history of these venues, um, starting with the Central. Uh, it's, it's been here for 125 years. Uh, over that. I mean, the building, it, we haven't been having you know grunge music for 125 years. <laughs> <but>. <laughs> yeah. I know those guys are old, but you know, <laughs> I didn't think they were, they were that old. Uh, and then um, it was originally, it, it, turned, it, it became a saloon and had performances for sailors and and you know the the, the boating people and loggers things absolutely like that. yeah and the, like at one point it was kind of like a mercantile and then it was a post office wall all and a bunch of other stuff and like an employ, um, an employment agency but while all still remaining a saloon at the same time employment agencies don't look like that anymore <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it's it's strange seeing it uh without an audience and a and a band on a stage uh, on a Friday night, this place should be bumping, yeah, you know, slinging drinks and loud rock and roll music. And so this is, it's a little bizarre, you know, uh, I always wanted to come back onto the stage and I always thought it'd be, you know, behind the drums, different circumstances. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the, uh, the tractor tavern located in Ballard. Yes. Right. Uh, the tractor has been there for 25 years. This is our 26th year. Before that, it was the New Melody Tavern, and it's been a venue or a restaurant, uh, I think, for 100 years yeah. in that building. That building has. Yep. Yeah. And a lot of people think that it's mostly um, country acts and, and like folk music, but I mean, I've seen some punk rock shows there as well. Oh yeah, we yeah. have we have some we have some fun shows: uh, crowd surfing, mosh, mosh pits, and yeah, Is got a. That's like that's where doesn't shellac insist on playing the tractor? I yeah. believe. Is the <laughs> My last show I saw there was uh, Voodoo Glow Skulls and Reverend Horton. That was so much fun. Oh my God. Glow Skulls got up on our bar and was playing yeah. guitar. That was so much. That <laughs> was, was so fun. Yeah. I I love the Rev. Like he has. I mean, so many years of stories that like sometimes you just get distracted by the songs and he just starts talking. Like I can just listen <laughs> yeah. to this. Yeah. <laughs> and then El Corazon. Well. I mean, uh, Corazon was the building itself was initially a pie company. I think it was Olympic Pie Company. I don't know much about what type of pies, um, but outside of that, it's been a venue for a very long time. This year would have been uh, the iteration of El Corazon's fifteenth uh, mm -hmm. anniversary, yeah. and of course, before that, you know, you have. Graceland, you have off ramp. The which, off ramp. I mean, you're wearing your Pearl Jam hoodie today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was the anniversary of that first show there. 
yesterday. That Pearl Jam played yeah. there. That's it was amazing. the 30th anniversary of Pearl Jam's first show. They weren't called Pearl Jam. They were called Mookie Blaylock. Mookie Blaylock. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> who's a real person, so that can't be your band name. Yep. yep. But, um, yeah, it was also, you know, like the Agogo Cafe. Yep. It was Sub-Zero. Mm-hmm. Lots, of, lots of good history there. Yeah. That's an awesome venue. I've, I've played there several times. And um, um, the famous poll. Oh, we. We all talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's great. Well, we were talking about it, like, if this building ever gets cut, like, torn down, like, someone has to come in and just, like, chainsaw that out of there and put yeah. it in a museum with whatever shitty stickers I are know. on it. Like, whatever bands, it doesn't even matter. <laughs> yeah. Like, that is just, like, if you reopen, if, like, we ever yep. reopen a venue somewhere else, if, if that ever does happen, like, I like I insist on that pole being posted somewhere in the yeah. new spot. Like, it just has to yeah. be. Well, and it's funny, because, like, we were talking about, like, the Pearl Jam, there, there's video footage of that show which is crazy because wow. of the year that it happens like you don't have that. phones and stuff but everyone's like that's not there there's no pole and it's just like well the stage didn't used to be on that side oh okay. the stage used to be on the far south end gotcha. of the venue so it was more of a long and skinny room like this instead of the short room mm-hmm. that it is now wow yeah. so it's like people are like that's not the same room i was just like calm <laughs> down the pole used to be on the right side yeah. not in the front yeah that the last show i saw there was static x Oh, yeah. It was awesome. And and then a YouTube video surfaced of that show. And I was like, no, oh, that's the pole. That's Al Gore's own. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, everybody, I played there. That's right over here. Well, and that stuff is so funny, too. Like I was watching like the Bane like, documentary of like yep. their final tour the other day. And there's a ton of Seattle. Their last show in Seattle was at El Corazon. So we had like we sat there and watched it. And like every little clip, I'm like, Corazon. Yeah. No, not that one. Yeah. That one. Yeah. It's like it's just going through like all this live footage. Yeah. We're just like picking it out as we go. Yeah. And and at the central, I mean, looking at these posters on the wall, you've had there's been a ton of legendary uh, bands play here. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, it, and play together as well. It's not just like isolated head, headlining things. Like you'll have you know, Screaming Trees with Soundgarden and yep. Mud Honey doing yeah. a Valentine's Day show or something. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> Yeah, the you know these posters. There's Alice. You're you're right. Alice in Chains and Screaming Trees. Nirvana and Screaming Trees. Alice in Chains and Nirvana. Yeah, <laughs> they just all cl- collaborate. But that was the that was the um, those bands had a lot of camaraderie back then and had each other's backs. And is it was Screaming cool. Trees a reference to cicadas, or is it just a weird thing that someone thought of? That's, you know, <laughs> I, I I would go to the weird thing that someone thought of side of that but that is a good question <laughs> yeah one yeah. time i told my like one of my best friends that i'd never thought i was going to relate so much to a cicada she's like what are you talking about and i was like honestly <laughs> if i was slept underground for 17 years and i emerged onto this hellscape i too would scream <laughs> until i died <laughs> yeah 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 lee let's talk about your job uh marketing manager at uh at tractor tavern explain that uh yeah so i do actually i do marketing and ticketing as well um and that is that's, one of the first few times that um, the tractors had a marketing person. Um, and so when I came in, I kind of revolutionized it. <laughs> um, just really making sure that we were connecting with people who are interested in the bands that are coming to town. And and um, we do a lot of development of artists because we have somebody who's focused on marketing. So we'll book smaller rooms like the Sunset or Connor Byrne um, to help that artist build their Seattle draw so that they, by the time they get to the tractor they're yeah. doing really well yeah and when did you get started with that um i started at the tractor in 2014 but i'd been in the industry 
uh, since 2007, but I was working full time at like banks and IT companies yeah. and doing artist management and stuff at KXP on top of that. So I was working yeah. a lot of hours. Yeah. And then <laughs> I got laid off from an IT company in 2014. Uh, we started Macefield Music Festival that year and I was walking in dropping off posters for the festival and um, mentioned that I was out of work. And mm -hmm. Dan was like, yeah, you're hired. <laughs> <laughs> he had no okay. questions, like didn't look yeah. at my resume or anything. So yeah, very cool. <laughs> yeah. And then you, um, I mean, a lot of what we do in this industry, we have to learn it on the job, right? So, so did you did you get training for this? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, know. <laughs> I get that response a lot. <laughs> who, who gets training? I know. Well, I even yeah. even then, it's just like in this day and age, like what, how like how long does training really last? Mm. Like we're yeah. all now going through a new training with new Facebook because none of us know how it works yeah. anymore. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they moved everything. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Nobody knows how to do my job. They don't, you know. Dan's not on social media or bar manager's not on social yeah. media. Oh yeah. You have so. a lot. The social media aspect of it feels like a job in its, in itself. It is. Yeah. Just, Man. just the management and understanding and, mm -hmm. you know, seeing how people are using it, seeing how they're talking and, um, what they're, how they're promoting their events and how mm -hmm. often people are promoting their events. It's, it's, I've spent a lot of time when I first started working at the tractor doing this because, um, I'd have notifications for any time any venue in Washington or Oregon yep. Yep. would post. I was seeing what they were yep. saying, so I had to learn like that by what other people were doing. Yeah, yeah. Jordan, explain what marketing is uh, for you. Um, I mean, it's. A l I mean, besides social media, obviously. I mean, that wasn't even a thing a few years ago. You know, it was all posters. It was. Yeah. I mean when I was down here, it was like, oh, your job today is to go, like, get the handbills cut up so that we yeah. can hand them out out front of this other show and, like, yeah. all this other stuff. I mean, now it's mostly, you know, Facebook events, social advertising. But at the same point, especially for venues, I think, like, all three of ours, it's a lot of community management. You know, you have, like, the, like, the Facebook group that's, you know, like, Seattle Punk, and you're like, all right, well, I have to post this yeah. show in here, like, every once in a while. And yeah. You know, it's just kind of maintaining that or like, you know, like we even I don't know about Central and Tractor, but we have like a VIP program where essentially, you know, people give us a flat rate and we give them however many tickets they want in a year or, you know, different. There's different levels of it. Yeah. But it's sort of maintaining a community, especially because we're more of a as much as we do a little bit of everything. We are a lot of metal and punk and hard rock mm -hmm. of sort of being able to maintain that community and those relationships within our community, even if it's like with the bands, but also with the fans, because like we have people that will come to every show no matter what it is. And it's like, you know, they have a lasting relationship with all of the staff. You know, they know the guy at the front door. They know the security guy in the back. They know yeah. all of the bartenders. They know the guy checking IDs. And I mean, every time they're going to, they don't assume anything. You know, they, they're a part of that family and they always show up and they're always cordial, but that's because we maintain that relationship. And that's a lot of, especially Corazon, because we're not really on any sort of path of like foot traffic. You have no one's just walking past me like, oh, I might check out a show. Yeah. You know, yeah. you have to go there yeah. for a reason. So that's, I mean, that's really important with us. And I mean, we've been working on a lot of different things as well, yeah. reaching out to different communities and trying to 
engage with them more mm-hmm. um, just through our, our different staff. It's like one of those things where it's like, okay, so like we have a member of staff that's a huge member of this community and goes to like these meetups and does this thing. Even if it's like comedy and that kind of stuff, we're like, all right, well, you know, you're part of the family. We want to involve you. So it's, it's just like a weird sort of like family tree and kind of maintaining that community is a, probably more of my job or I would say equal parts of my job as social mm-hmm. media is. Yeah. How did you get started in that? Oh, um, I mean, that's the only thing I've really ever done. Yeah. Um, wow. Uh, yeah. I mean, besides like my very first job, which was working in an arcade movie theater mini golf combination. Where is this? <laughs> it's not really there anymore, but it was connected <laughs> to like a resort cool. in Leavenworth, Washington. Yeah. Um, nice. But outside of that, like right in when I was in college, I started doing admin and operations out at the Gorge, you know. I was going to school up in Bellingham, and a couple, me and two friends, started a nonprofit all-ages space. So I was doing all the marketing and PR for them, and it was just sort of like this weird space that had just kind of been gifted to us. Yeah. So, you know, like it was all volunteer-based. No one got paid, and it just kind of went from there. Like, mm-hmm. from there, I started working for the university and, you know, a lot of venues up there. Started commuting back and forth between Bellingham and Seattle a lot to work with the show boxes, actually, is how I got into Seattle. Yeah. And then went from there to working to Corazon. Okay. And, and, and how long have you been in the industry? Uh, probably about 10 years. 10 years. Yeah. Probably since I was about 19. And so, so you have to market for, you've got a double venue thing going on yes. where you are. And so you, are you in charge of marketing for Funhouse as well? Yes. And um, so so f- for the listeners, there used to be this crazy punk rock venue across the street from the Space Needle with a scary clown. And uh, it was my first, ven- or first gig I ever had when I moved to Seattle. What's and scarier about that clown is that we have the same one up there now. Yeah. And they were closed for like, what, like three years? Yeah. And that sign just sat in one of their backyards in like... Um, wow. like my, it was like, yeah. you know, like suburban Magnolia. Yeah. It's just a scary clown <laughs> yeah. in your neighbor's yard. I cannot even imagine. Yeah. That was the first place that like when I first moved to Seattle, literally the, I think the second day I was here, yeah. I went cause I, it was, it was the first venue I had ever been to in Seattle and went looking for it and walked around for literally probably two <laughs> plus hours yeah. before realizing that it was just a giant hole in the ground. That <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was great. A hole, a hole yeah. in the ground with the basketball hoop. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. I the, mean like it was when right when they had, it oh, had closed after there, and it was it like, cause I, yeah. I was like, I swore it was right here. And then, Oh yeah. It was so cool, man. Like the, yeah, you could drink beer, listen to punk rock music and play basketball. We don't have the basketball hoop anymore. I, I was going to ask like, <laughs> when is the basketball court coming? We're trying. Maybe like once yeah. there's enough base and like the ceiling just kind of caves in on one side, we'll put yeah. it back up. We'll have enough height. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you all, like I said, you have to do marketing for that side as well. Yes. Yeah. So you've got, um, yeah, two, yeah, now legendary I think it was like 2015. They mm-hmm. came into it was just operating as it still had the stage in there. It was just the Corazon Lounge. Yeah. Um, and after years of not being able to find a space, we were like, well, you can operate out of half of our venue and kind yep. of take that over as the new Funhouse. Um, sort of rebrand it into like more of like a Funhouse Lounge kind of thing. And you know, they didn't have any staff left. Some of their bartenders from the old school days kind of yeah. came back. But yeah. other than that, like it was just like, well, I'm already here. You know, and you're a part of this now, especially because you can go back and forth between the two. 
and it still kind of operates as you know the larger bar at El Corazon if there's not a show on that side. So it just kind of made sense. Makes me happy to see that scary clown. <laughs> it actually does. I'm like, oh, well, you know, it's not quite the same as when it was, you know, across the street from the, the needle, but I'm, I'm still glad that it, that it exists. You know. Oh, yeah. And I'm yep. sure it will continue to exist, yeah. even if it's not there anymore. It'll be in someone else's backyard, I'm yeah. sure. <laughs> I'll, I'll, Just I'll scaring people in <laughs> yeah. a suburb somewhere yeah. until... There's no people left yeah. and someone lands <laughs> yeah. here for another planet and they're like, what is that? And yeah. then they leave. <laughs> yeah. uh, Michael, uh, explain what it is to be uh, the talent buyer. So, uh, I mean, it's, it's very similar to with, with the marketing as well, just because you, there is a lot of analysis just as far as seeing what's going to sell tickets yep. and working with the community and making sure that, that you're giving equal opportunity to different like we're we try and not be even though our our history is very rock and roll and like yeah. hard rock um be pretty even with the genres that we book and that works with that means working within a lot of different communities and mm-hmm. and uh doing a lot of listening and 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 paying attention to what goes well at other other venues and seeing who you can you know grow and kind of giving a little nudge in the ribs to yeah. to people that aren't kind of getting their hustle on as yep. much as they need to be. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, but a lot of it, yeah, a lot of it is, I mean, to be honest, it's just due diligence and, yeah. Yeah, and, for sure. and crawling through everybody's calendars, looking who's playing DIY spaces and, yep. and seeing, and, and kind of being aware of other relationships too. Because there is, I definitely a large part of how I do my booking is there's there's a just a vibe that you try and reach, and you can yep. like it's it's something that when you have, say you book independently three bands that are all really good friends, and they end up on the same bill without them creating the bill, it creates this kind of really really good excitement party like yeah vibe that that I feel like kind of metaphysically sells tickets yeah (laughs) yeah and and how long have you been here at the central i've been here for about five years okay cool i was at uh chop suey the first year i was here just as kind of like an intern helper dude yeah and and then uh came to the central after chop suey changed hands okay and when did you start in the industry because you're from montana yeah so i i started in the industry um about 2006 because so I had I had gone and lived I lived in England for two years and when I got back there was this all the uh, the places that like punk rock and and uh, indie so to speak um, mm-hmm. in Missoula had had closed and like especially uh, this this place called Jay's Upstairs which was a super legendary amazing uh, punk rock venue and there was nowhere for those bands to play. Mm-hmm. And w- I had a job at this kind of like punk rock billiards brunch coffee shop yeah. place. <laughs> cool. And, and it was owned by these two like Kansas city, ex Kansas city punk rocker couple that like were super grumpy and yep. had no business dealing yeah. with the public. <laughs> but just uh, listen to punk at, bre- oh, yeah. at breakfast yep. every day and yeah. just start your day off right. Oh yes. Yeah, and and so they let us start throwing um, basically DIY shows, and we had, yeah. I mean, like bands like Magnolia Electric Company, and you know, all like Moaners from from uh, uh, North Carolina, South Carolina, 
but uh, all sorts of, of really great stuff. And then through that, I I basically just I worked at other venues when they opened in Missoula yeah. and played and ha- in lots of bands and stuff. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. That's I was gonna ask you. You perform as well. Yep, I'm currently in a band called Brackets. Brackets and singing and jumping around. Yeah, swinging off stuff. Lee, what's the most exciting part of your job? Oh man, I I I really love getting to meet people from all over the world. Yeah, that's that's yeah. one of my favorite things. Is you know, fifteen people walk into my venue every single day. For they're from wherever in the country, wherever in the world, mm-hmm. and they're there to play a show. And um, just the conversations you get to have before everybody yeah. starts unloading and getting into setting up and sound check and all of that. It's just it's really fascinating just to have that opportunity to sit down and talk with people about what their life is like, who they know, like we all kind of, you know, this world is shrinking, you know, because we all kind of tend to know the same people. So we're probably, you know, been to the same venues across the country. So it's really fun. Yeah. I love that. That's awesome. And it's always funny, like when you have like a conversation with someone and then like months later, someone tells you about the same thing, about like that your friends were talking about. You're like, no, I know. Like I was a part of that. (laughs) Yeah. And it's a small world too. And you see repeat people you know after a while um sorry about the sirens people we are we are downtown pioneer square <laughs> so <laughs> it happens yeah this uh band walked in and um i recognized two of the members and they're like Haley, do you remember our names i was like <laughs> rude rude yeah <laughs> what about you jordan what's the most exciting part of your job i would honestly probably say the crowds it's yeah. funny because i hate being in crowds yeah. But I was talking about it with someone just the other day. We're just like, as much as like I've seen all of my favorite artists, or even most of them, you know, some of them didn't mm-hmm. exist in the same lifetime as me. But, you know, like I even those shows, you kind of take a step back and I almost spend more time watching the crowd than I do yeah. the artist. Because like yeah. I'll like, you know, like sit there and like watch my favorite song and I won't blink. Yeah. But then you kind of <laughs> turn and you look at everyone else that just, yeah. you know, knows every word. and. Yep knows every beat to every song and is just so happy. It's like one of those things like we see so many shows that unless something is fucking incredible, terrible or just straight up weird, everything else, (laughs) just like everything else just kind of blends together. Like if I leave a show, I'm like, oh, that was really good. I'm probably going to forget about it, which sounds really mean. But like we see seven, sometimes seven plus shows a week. Yeah. Where you, I mean, there's been nights where I've bounced between three different venues Same. from like the oh, beginning yeah. of the day to the end of the day. I'm just like, well, yeah. we've seen a lot of things today. And you know, you're not, you, there's just no possible way of remembering all of them. But then you kind of go like, okay, well, like I only remember like half of my favorite band set. Why? Yeah. And then I'm like, oh, I spent half the time watching everyone else have fun. Because yep. yep. that's kind of why we do our <laughs> jobs. It's like, that's a lot, like, especially fans that show up, you know, they maybe only go to one or two shows a year. It's like, that could be a lifelong memory for them where it's like, this is just a day in the yep. books for me. Yeah. I started a separate in- Instagram account to remind me of the shows. I take a picture of every yeah, performance. That's smart. To to do that because I started realizing so quickly that you just you lose some of that unless like there's a few that will stick out in your brain that you'll always remember. 
Um, but for the most part, you're, you're just like, I think I've seen that band before. And then you go through and you're <laughs> yeah. like, oh, yeah, I did. Well, yeah. Like, it got to the point with me where it's like I had to stop taking, like, memorabilia things. from Because, like, <laughs> you go to, like, my like my closet, like, to, like my parents' <laughs> yeah. room where it's like this kind of ends up there. Because, like, yeah. over time, like, when I'm in between places and yeah. I don't want, like, a storage, you know, like, well, I'm just going to shove this in my, like, <laughs> the, the guest room at my <laughs> yeah. parents' house. And it's just, like, boxes of, like, show flyers and buttons sure. and stickers yeah. and, like. That, like and it was fun like when I first started because it was just like this is like a like my work portfolio mm-hmm. you know like these are all the shows that I promoted like I'm really proud of myself yeah. like I'm doing something I love and I'm happy and yeah. I'm I'm doing it yeah. and now it's just like I like had to move a bunch of my stuff not that long ago and I just have like boxes of just like straight yep. up flyers and there's like duplicates in there I'm like why do I have this <laughs> and just like and they're not like color like printed like pieces of art they're just like the black and white like printed on like the neon paper and you're just like this is nothing (laughs) there's some of them that i love but then i look at it i'm like what is what even is this yeah like i'm not even i don't even like this band (laughs) and like you guys have stacks of them yeah you know like the stack like i mean there was a couple years there where like the um, schedule shortage at like Sasquatch was like an annual thing and people were always angry and I just have stacks of them at home. I was like, sucker. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> because like we would always have some for like the employees Yeah. and at the end of it, it's like, well now I have all these flyers that people were looking for and no one to take them. So they always just end up like in a box in my house. I'm just yeah. like, I don't need this stuff. Like yeah. cut up wristbands. Uh, oh, I have a million of those. <laughs> oh, it drives like my roommates and like anyone that's ever lived with me or been a part of my life nuts because I do like on the side, I do a lot of contracting or I go with tours and I set up different production, especially VIP production. So the amount of like VIP and like work laminates that I have, Mm -hmm. I always just get home and I'll put them on my doorknob. And yep. they'll start falling off, but it gets to the point like if you open my door, it's like all like the <laughs> clacking and they swing back and forth. Yeah. But it just drives everyone nuts. Like I don't know where else to put them. Like I'm not willing to get rid. Like I have a friend, like he has like a photo album. Like and instead of or not photo album, it's almost like a. I don't want to say like a nerd book where Scrap you put like your thing. trading cards in, mm-hmm. but he has one of those that oh, has like all of his laminates yeah. in it. Yeah. <laughs> That's perfect. That's a good right? idea. Right. I was like, I should do that. But like, I just haven't gotten there because it's way easier to just put it on a shelf than just like, I, yeah. just, I have like hangers in my closet that are just draped yeah. with lanyards. <laughs> I've never tried putting them all on. <laughs> <laughs> I should. <laughs> There's some gold in there though. Like I'm not willing to get rid of. Like some of them, they're just like, whatever. There's a million people that have these. But you know, I have like working passes from like some really yeah. incredible things that are actually never going to happen again. Mm-hmm. And say so I'll never get rid of it. That's, that's getting framed at some point yeah. with the poster. Like, I've got w- one of the weird I don't things. Have wall space. <laughs> yeah. One of the weird, th- I've got a lot of stuff too. And one of the weird things I took, I was on tour with Pearl Jam and, and Macklemore was following us. Uh, that, that tour uh, uh, was just right behind he us. Was, and, uh, oh, his tour was doing the same route as you guys? Yeah. Or he was just following oh, Pearl no, Jam around the country? That's what we say when they're they're playing the venue the next night oh, after yeah. we play. I work a lot and, of Dead and Company uh, shows, so when someone says they're following oh, okay. the band, yeah. they're following it's, the band. It's, it's something, yeah. And I've, I've got a napkin holder that has the an advertisement for the Pearl Jam tour on one side and the Macklemore tour on the other side, <laughs> and I, I stole it from the venue. It's not even, didn't even belong to the band. It was just a, a napkin holder in one of the um, vending areas. <laughs> and I was like, cool, I'm taking this. So I just did a walk by. I, have like, I love like the like weird stuff where <laughs> yeah. someone's like, why do you have a Macklemore napkin holder in your kitchen? You're like, why yeah. not? <laughs> <I know. laughs> 
<laughs> I have had had people ask that. I'm like, don't worry about it. Yeah, one, no, yeah exactly. Like, yeah. One time I was contracting for a show over at CenturyLink, and it was Kenny Chesney. Oh yeah, which was just insane anyway. Because uh. like country shows are just <laughs> crazy, and like they're sort of all country tours are like weekend warrior, like yeah. large scale. At least are like weekend Tell warrior me tours. About it. They um, have shows like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and that's it. Crazy because yeah. like that demographic, you know, doesn't really come out on Sundays. You know, most of them aren't in like the city, so they're coming in from other places. So like everyone travels to them. So by the time we were done, I had done like several laps around that whole stadium, just like loading stuff yeah. out. Yeah. And by the time I got home, I didn't even realize I had this like commemorative cup in my hand. And yeah. it's like this like 20 ounce, like, you know, like the yeah. bendy, like, <laughs> oh, yeah. like accordion straw, yeah. like in it, like Kenny Chesney. And I forget what the uh, tour was yeah. called. And I just sat down at like a bar that I worked at and like, what's that? And I was like, what's what? And like, I was like, oh, so now yeah. I, just, I was like, I put like Christmas lights in it one year. And it was just like a light on our table. And everyone's like, what is this? Like, well, if you take the lights out, it fits a whole bottle of wine in it. So it's good for the park. And they're like, what? What? Like, where did you even get that? Like, you're not like that, like that type of like fan. And I was just like, I honestly have no idea how it came home with me. That sh That's Kenny hilarious. Chesney. We get just wiped out for that. Oh, it's huge. Oh, sure. It's so <laughs> yeah. miserable. Oh, because everybody's it's right there. there. Yeah, right, yeah, it's blocks away. Oh, so it's, yeah. And it's, but like I said, though, it's all tourists. So yep. they, like, they leave that stadium you know, and they hit Pioneer Square. They're like, where do we go? And like you guys have music here. They're like, we want more. Yeah. That's one and of the, the things. They get, they get it. Yeah. yeah. That's one of the things about the economy that I think people don't fully understand, too, of what, what shows do for the economy is is how busy you guys get from that show or how busy dominoes might get across the street from a show here at the central, you know, and it just kind of this revolving, um, like yeah, all the flow of, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All the restaurants in Ballard have our, our calendar and they know yeah. like when the shows yeah. are sold out so they can plan their staffing yeah. to handle the overflow. Yeah. It's huge. You know, yeah, we have a lot of that down here, and it's it's definitely one of the things that it also becomes a like okay, well, everybody's going to this place. Like, you, yeah. I can I can tell certain restaurants like you're going to be busy this night mm -hmm. because we have you know this like pop band playing, and the everybody's going to go to the fancy taco place yep. versus like oh well we got metal tonight, so everybody at the you know burger place or something you know it's, yeah. it's, it's it's kind of weird how you can oh, no. kind of genre what's going He's on like, oh no it's a crust punk show better call a few actually like hot dog carts yeah. Like, exactly. yeah. that's funny because like people I, think I like restaurants because like oh, you yeah. know like every like you go to a show but like people don't necessarily realize that it goes literally from like city attractions hotels restaurants yep. like neighboring bars it's like people come in for shows and it's like how often you go like all right so like even people like come up from tacoma it's not that far but you know they leave work they come up here they want to grab something to eat then they're going to hang out in the bar until they can get yep. into the show and yep. then even once you're in a show they still jump around places like how many times have we all gone to like a show and be like hey the beers are ten dollars here let's jump across the street real quick uh, absolutely yeah. 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 yeah i don't know how many times i've gone to like to show at the the show box and then immediately gone to the alibi right afterwards. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. 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 The best mac and cheese in town. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Or as I say, like show box down here, you have Hooverville right across the street. Like they yeah. know yep. what days oh, they're going to be busy. <laughs> That's a super good example. Yep. Actually. Yep. Uh, Michael, uh, what's the most exciting part of this crazy business for you? Um, I mean, short answer. I love being proven right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, it's, it is one of those things where you kind of, a lot of what I do is, is, 
collecting clues and it's I mean it's kind of like being a music detective. Yeah. And yeah. you know, you you want to you want to get it right and and those other two th- like the things that that um Jordan and Lee brought up with like the stories and and the crowd reaction, those are results. If you do, if I do my job well, those are results that I see and like metrics like if the band if we ended up hanging out late because the band had a great time and I hear all these stories, that means I did my job well. If I look out at the room and everyone's head is facing the same direction right at the stage and they're all captivated, I did my job well. So, and I mean, and and hopefully that's a lot of heads too. Yes. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, and, and if Michael does his job well, our job is a lot easier. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I honestly thought you were going to say like, oh, the best part of my job is when a band emails me back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Getting artists to email you back and respond in a like, timely matter is not always easy. Yep. <laughs> Very it's true. The, the little things, right? <laughs> yep. So, what are the most uh, some of the most common myths, uh, Lee, when it when it comes to your job, that people might assume it's this way? You know, when it when it's when it's not. Um, I I think my whole job seems like a myth, um, because people don't really know what we do. Yeah. Um, Just your job in general. Yeah. yeah. I mean, some, <laughs> I like some yeah. days I'm like holding a ladder while the owner is screwing in, you know, speakers or, you know, he's sawing a booth in half, you know, and I'm videoing him for our socials and, yeah. you know, and, um, you know, countless vendors are walking in and, and you know, you're, you're dealing with lots of just people all the time. So, I don't know that people have any preconceived notions other than I'm there all of the time, which I feel like. Well, I feel like that's like a big part of a lot of what you see going on with like event workers right now is that most of our jobs are invisible and sort of unseen. People show up and, you know, they kind of see the bartender and they see the artist. You know, they don't necessarily think about people that had to sell the tickets. You know, they don't think about people that had to organize the show. They're not thinking about the bus drivers and the truck drivers for bigger shows. Like, I've been on shows where there's, like, 24 vehicles being driven down the road. You yeah. know, it's like you have so many buses, so many trucks to set up this production. It's like, you're not thinking about, like, when you think about the music industry, are you thinking about truck drivers? Yeah. No, like I think now a little bit people, I would say people assume that like jobs like me and Lee is, oh, they just sit on Facebook all day. Oh, and yeah. it's like, that, it's not fun. And so no. I was going to ask you, is that a common thing that you, people just assume that you're, you're, you know, hanging out with punk rock bands all day and, and, you know, what are, what are some of your most common myths? Well, I think anyone that knows me would assume that I'm avoiding punk rock bands all day. <laughs> yeah. but, um, Smart move. <laughs> It's a long day. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I would I would think like most of the misconceptions that people don't understand how many people it takes to make a show happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And especially true. with marketing, that's like, oh, well, you just like sit on yeah. Facebook and just like respond like n- like the <laughs> metrics and like the math and like the algorithms. It's mm-hmm. sometimes it's a lot. Sometimes we don't know what's going on. Like Facebook updates. I couldn't figure out how to cancel an event yesterday. Wow. Yeah, like, and we're them, on like, it all oh, the I don't time. Know. Yeah. yeah. It's like they move one button and it's like, I have to relearn a whole job. And it's just like, no, I'm not just sitting on Facebook. Yeah. And you, you realize like people in their own lives realize that they get sort of that like social fatigue because of how much you yeah. spend absorbing everyone's emotions, everyone's thoughts, yeah. you know, just sort of every, you're absorbing everyone's well being all mm-hmm. the time it's like at a certain point like 
and up until this sort of shutdown, like my personal accounts didn't really exist. Like they were there because I had to have them because they were connected to business pages, but I didn't have enough room in like my personal being and like my stability to see I mean, I mean, granted, I manage like I'm on like 20 different Facebook pages because yeah. people add me as like yeah. advertisers, and I manage different bands and venues and like all stuff. Like I can't absorb that for eight hours a day while I'm working, and then go home and put my personal life and do exactly the same thing yeah. again. It's exhausting. Yeah, Lee, Lee, do you even bother with a personal Facebook page? I do. I have one, um, and I I use it to uh, promote things that are in the industry. So friends, yeah. albums, information people need to know, things like that. So I don't I don't really talk about anything personal on any of my social media, except for post pre- cat videos. I I post a lot of cat hey, videos. I think hey, all I do is post dog cat videos. videos. I'm, t- <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> Because all, all the other things that people are seeing all the time, I'm like, here's a funny cat video. Yeah. I know, right? Yeah. Well, and my then cat. I get paranoid with my personal one, too, where I'm just like, because I see people that do it all the time. I'm like, I don't want people to know, because I have so many people on my page because of, like, what we do for a job. Like, some oh, yeah. of these people have no need to know where I am every minute of the day. Yeah. So, like, if I post a picture of a show that I really enjoyed, it's usually, like, two days later. Sure. Mm-hmm. You know, like, Absolutely. I, people, like, people need to be able to, like, track me. Like, there's so many weird people in the world. Like, no one needs to know, like, oh, I posted this, like, a weird thought today from El Corazon. You yeah. know, like, yeah. oh, she's going to that show tonight. Like, she, oh, I'm at this show. Oh, I'm here. I've yep. posted at, while I'm at a show, but I, I most places I work are uh, arenas and stuff, so so I'm like, oh, who cares if they know I'm here? Good luck getting through five layers of security. <laughs> <laughs> They're still texting you trying to get in. <laughs> yeah, <I know>. yeah. <laughs> Sorry. You said you would list me. It's like, I did not. Yeah. Text me five minutes before the show started. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck. Michael, how, how about you? What are, some, uh, what are some of the most common myths that you hear? You know, it's... Uh, it's that that you 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 know everyone. I mean, and, and I do know a lot of people, but it, like keeping track. I mean, it's of, true, but well, no, but it's it's you you know of people. <laughs> you have people to know and, a lot of people, right? Really and do. and right. that it's like they think that people don't understand, like the, a lot of the monetary side, like and and talk, on both artist side and on audience side as well. So kind of navigating that is a lot more complicated than people realize. Yeah. And especially when you're talking about dealing with agents who do it professionally and like the higher up you go, the more complicated that gets. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that plays into what Jordan was talking about with like truck drivers and all the people that you don't see. So there's all these hidden costs and then portraying that in a transparent, clear manner to artists and in a way that financials make sense to them. Yeah. And then the way that navigating, like say what you believe a supporting act deserves and you know, who at the end of the night gets what mm-hmm. that can get really, really sticky. And, and so I think that, I don't think that a lot of people understand how that is, is, I mean, and a lot of the time you just have to be like contractual with it and be very clear right out of the gate. I try and do that as much as I can. Sure. But, uh, it's definitely, it's sometimes it's just a lot of nuance and, mm-hmm. and, and, conver- and, and communication, I guess. That's so, huge. Yeah. A lot of emails. Yeah. Yeah. People, yeah. People <laughs> definitely lot. don't realize it. They, they think that shows just kind of come together and, yeah. and, you know, if I'm lucky they do. Yeah. But, uh, and it's okay. I think for the, 
non-industry workers, civilians. Is what I, call. Yeah. I think it's okay. Pedestrians, yeah. yeah, I like that. I think it's uh, I think it's fine that they, you know, think that shows just magically appear because I, I think that's a good sign that we did our job. You know, like well, it's always kind in of in normal times, yes. Yeah, but it's actually better <laughs> that they don't know because that means that we did our job and there's right. no problem. Well, it's always yeah. kind of funny to me that like that's even like a thought path because I think I just kind of think like the bands show up and then they show up like uninvited and you're like, how do you think that works? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like someone had to tell you that this was happening and someone had to tell them to show up. But right now when we're fighting for, you know, the extension of the PUA, like they need, the the audience needs to know how many people are working these things. That's why I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> trying to <laughs> let you. people know, like, hey, you know. And good news is, we ain't got nowhere else to be either. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. That's why On a Friday night. <laughs> I, I'm not going to say it's easy to get you all to round up to, to do an interview, but <laughs> lately it's been kind of yeah. easy. To, yeah. I mean, I'm, hey, thanks for coming. I work here. Lee, <laughs> <laughs> right. yeah. what are some of the uh, mistakes you've made in the early days? Um... I don't know. That's a tough one. I mean, I'm, everybody makes mistakes every sure, day. Sure, so it yeah. feels like I can't think of anything that was super grievous. Um, I guess learning the lesson the hard way about how to set up a, an event in your ticketing system and make sure that you yep. do not oversell. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't. I never even thought about that. Like, a, like, a, like <laughs> airlines. <laughs> yeah, you, know? you only mess up once. <laughs> and then There's, every man. single There's day. There's no standby for a concert. Yeah. No, you just that's, miss it. Uh, yeah, that's true. Try having wow. an overpacked room get mad at you because the show gets shut down because you overpacked it and the fire marshal showed up. That's. Has that happened? Has that happened to you, Lee? That's, that's happened to me in, in oh, DIY or more like yeah okay. not, not here gotcha now we're professional at the tractor tavern i feel like that's more like 100%. an 80s 90s sort of thing that was just like well whoever shows up first gets in and yeah. like i wow. feel like it's a lot more professional yeah. now you know bands no. have to be more professional than they were then and we do too yeah okay. but that was part of um the the culture that kind of got changed when we started really promoting shows and actively being on socials and all of that was that we started selling out way in advance and so it would be you know months ahead of time you know instead of just the day up day of walk up and so that part of my job became more critical just to make sure that we had all of the timings like you know when there's a higher price for the day of show um, making sure all of those numbers were right because if I mess up then whoever's settling the show has to deal with the brunt of it and then our booker gets you know from the agent so it starts it starts with me it's a lot of pressure got to make sure that the details are right and so it's not just you know cat videos on you know, yeah. on instagram there's like gotta make sure the numbers are all right too yeah yeah wow uh what about you jordan mistakes yeah oh well i started very young so that's easy um <laughs> I would honestly say, like, the, not necessarily a mistake, but just sort of learning how to hold myself, and, like, as much as we've all been talking about, like, we're, like, the invisible half, or, I guess, the invisible 95% of the industry, is, like, usually it's best not to talk. You know, like, you are that silent party. You're not the loudest person in the room, you know? 
it's not your opinion that ma- like sometimes it is your opinion that matters, but sometimes it's not. Some sometimes it's not time for a joke. Yeah. And I should know because I make a lot of really bad ones. I, I, I'm not funny. Yeah. I have the saying. I don't know if I came up with it or if I heard it from some, someone. I can't remember. But I, I have the saying: um, if you pay, you get a say. Yeah. If you're getting paid, shut the fuck up. <laughs> just <do your> job. <laughs> I mean, like the shut up and yeah. work thing is there, but it's also just sort of like a time and a place yeah, thing for sure. And kind of like being able to measure and know your relationships. You know, like you can tour with a band professionally but then you have to realize that like when that tour is over you're not necessarily their friend you know you can't just show up when you want you know you can't just call them whenever you want and now that you're not on tour it's like there's learning kind of where the lines are like when it's you know time for you to blabber and like now and when it's time for like it doesn't involve there's certain things where as much as like it's you know places that I work or people that I work with it's not my time mm-hmm. to be that person and I think when I was a lot younger I wasn't really aware of that mm-hmm. and I think especially when you're younger and a younger female in such a male-dominated industry it's easy to be like the chatterbox little girl that you know people that's like well like I don't want to say unprofessional but like you can kind of start some relationships off in the wrong yeah. way and yeah I don't think there's anyone I really have a bad relationship with within the industry, but there's definitely like a level of professionalism there that took me, you know, those teenage years to get out of the way. Good to learn it when you're young. Yeah. It's sort of excusable. You kind of go like, well, (laughs) you know, she's young. She'll learn. (laughs) What about you, Mike? Um, I think that especially because I have to do so many things at the central and, and a lot of the, the venues that I've worked at were, things that we we had started or we were rebuilding that had from something else. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had to, I've learned, learned the hard way, actually, I mean, and still am, um, about time management and, and reserving my energy and making sure that I don't overcommit to res- Huge. responsibilities yeah. because that, that then you land in these, these, you run out of energy, so you procrastinate, and then you're unprofessional. Yeah. And you don't have time to peel through a bunch of emails, and so you lose opportunities, and all of this just becomes, all, all of this der- is derived out of the fact that you didn't sleep enough that week. Yeah. And you didn't, cause, and you were that, you weren't able to be efficient with your time and energy mm-hmm. because you, you burned yourself out. Yeah. And, and that that plays into your communication with potential sponsorships. It plays into your communication with staff and, and, and artist relationships. And your. I mean, I think a lot of the time that's why you have your, your grouchy sound engineers. They, yeah. They didn't go to bed on time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, I feel like we all overwork ourselves a lot. Yeah. You know, it took me and it, just that level of like yeah. learning how to that mistake of learning how to kind of take that self-care and be like okay i'm doing too much right now i'm gonna mm-hmm. go take a nap yep. Yep. <laughs> it's a saturday afternoon i can yep. do that mm-hmm. it took and me, then come uh, back yeah it took me nearly 14 years to to learn how to say no yeah absolutely that's yeah. i mean that's one of the best skills that you can have in this this industry and it's it started saving me i started like you know because i i was spreading myself so thin i felt like i had to work be at every show I was getting obsessed with it, you know, and then like, man, 
and I, also I'm getting old. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, I feel like I'm, saying no is something that like initially we're all kind of taught. It's like frowned upon. Because, yeah. Like, you oh, know, there's, yep. there, there's always that feeling of like, you know, there's not a lot of opportunities, you know, like this, everything that you do is make it or break it in this yep. industry. So you go like, well, I can't ever say no to anything because they, these are the only opportunities that I'm going to get. So if I say no, it's not going to come back around. So would you call that FOMO, like fear of missed opportunities? Uh, yeah. That's right. yeah. 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 That's it. <laughs> I, I felt it for yeah. years and years. Yeah. Well, and it, and it's one of those things where you you feel like you're gonna you're gonna be out of the conversation because you weren't there. And, yep. and you know, it's a lot of a lot of this industry's decision. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of this industry's decision. And, and Lee and I were talking about this with with um, artist booking and some things. Is a lot of this industry is is made on on uh, split second decision needs and decision making and if you're on the tip of someone's tongue because you just worked with them yeah. that's who you're going to get sent that text message asking you if, you if you can help out not the person that they worked with a month a month ago yep that's crazy <laughs> it's i'm just it's stressing me out a little bit yeah. Why am I sitting here with these people? I could be doing productive. Yeah, guys, things. I gotta, I gotta get going, guys. Yeah. I'm, I'm late for the <laughs> waking up in the morning. Like, I, should, yeah. I should be networking at a Garage Band yeah. show somewhere. Yeah. Oh man, wow, yeah. Um, Lee, besides the, the Tractor Tavern, besides your own venue, what's your favorite venue? It's it's hard. I get to go to so many, and yeah. I'm very excited. I. I too don't like big crowds, but I like going to festivals where it's all programmed in the venue. So mm -hmm. I get to do that. Um, but I think most often these days, if I'm not at the tractor, I'm at Belltown Yacht Club. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. cool. It's a fun that place space. Is super great. Yeah, that's awesome. I yeah. love that space and I love their programming and it's just, it's just, it's fun. It's filling that, that niche that the old Comet used to, you yep. know, have and, <laughs> you know, you just don't know what you're going to see, you mm -hmm. know. It's kind of, I think it's exciting. So yeah. I'm their really staff is amazing. It, Chris oh, and the owners them. are just yeah. the best. That's awesome. Yeah. What about you, Jordan? Oh, I, well, I mean, in, in a different way, um, there's like weird, small, like, are we talking, wait, hold on. Are we talking about like here or just like anywhere? Anywhere in okay. the world. Yeah. It's your um, favorite venue. I have like a very weird thing for, first of all, haunted venues. <laughs> but also just like sort of yeah. those like iconic spaces you know like i i was fortunate enough when i first was in seattle to be working with the showboxes and i do love showbox at the market yeah. it is probably one of the best sounding venues in my Absolutely. opinion 100 i mean that's it's one of those weird spaces that has been around for so long and was built for acoustics yeah and you don't really find that that often so i mean it just i mean it sounds amazing and it has that history behind it and I, I kind of just love the stories behind things. I love First Avenue in Minneapolis. Like every time I'm in there, I go and take a picture of it. Like it's gonna look different, and it doesn't. <laughs> but I love it. I mean, I love Prince. How can you not? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. or there's like what the the rave in Milwaukee that's like super haunted, and I just kind of like that. Cause like if you're there with a the band, they'll give you like the weird little ghost tour through all like the weird shit under like in the basement <laughs> and stuff. And it's like this place is spooky. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome there's a lot of cool spaces that i've been there's like also like weird like cultural areas too like i love just like being in new orleans especially like oh, you can yeah. find a show in like literally any bar at any given time you're like oh this is a weird place dueling pianos but instead there's like a 
hip hop show. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. guess. Like, oh, weird. This is a piano bar. There's like a guy in the floor playing a piano, but the jukebox is playing Justin Bieber in the next room. Yeah. Solid. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, Michael. The, oh, so sorry. Go ahead. I was say like that. That like the double down in in Las Vegas. Uh, yeah. We got we got in super late, there. and yeah. um, I think it was like two or three in the morning, and this band started setting up. We're like, who's playing at three o'clock in the morning? It's Vegas. <laughs> wow, <laughs> There's yeah. like hours. And it, and it was um, it was like a lot of the musicians who played the big shows. Mm-hmm. So they had gotten off and they got together and they just like would do this improvisational jazz thing. For hours, and it was so, f- uh, just so good. We yeah. ate I it up. L- I love the weird part of Vegas where it's like, why is there a show in the Taco Del Mar? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I think one of the, the craziest nights of my entire life was uh, I was in a band on tour, and and one of our stops was Double Down, and I don't know, I. When the mics are off, I'll tell you about it. It was bad. <laughs> it was I'm looking bad. forward to it. Yeah, that's. I don't know if this is the right place or time to to do it. Uh, <laughs> Michael, what about what about you? What's your? Favorite? Um, I mean, I I agreed wholeheartedly with the showbox. It's. I mean, it's it's a venue that fits that amount of people with, and it it there's like not a bad place to stand. There's, it's, it's great. got its yeah. nooks and crannies where you know you can find like your buddies in the industry. Like yeah. there's, yeah. there's so much to that venue that is is to be appreciated. And um, everybody plays there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Big, small. I mean, saw Foo Fighters there five years ago. It was when I first started amazing. working there. They told me the women's restroom was haunted, like it was fucking Harry Potter <laughs> and or some you were shit. There right no, there. they were like, so you can't tell when you look at it when you walk in, but if you look in the me- yeah. like you'll like if you look at it like. All the doors hang, like the stalls hang slightly ajar. Like there's one that doesn't. I'm like, it's that's how hinges work. <laughs> like if you, you can't, if you look under them, you don't see anything. But if you look in the reflection in the mirror, you can see feet under one of the doors. I was like, oh, okay. It only happens when people aren't there, though. I was like, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I like love that story. Though. I'm like, what? Who haunts a bathroom stall if you're not in Harry Potter? Yeah. Like the, yeah. no one haunts a toilet. That's haunts not a thing a that happens. Um. But I think I think maybe aside from that, and it a lot of it, I think people people make those relationships with venues um, over time, and so there there's like that value gets gets really burned into your brain. And the there's a venue in in Missoula called the Badlander that is, okay. and and it's I believe it's closed now. I mean it's it's closed now, but um, it's covid not permanently um yeah but uh and then there was the palace in the basement and they were like connected through a stairwell and then but uh i've played there so many times and their management and owners are like the dearest friends of mine and uh it's it's set up super great for like if you want to have a conversation you can go off to one side the sound the sound is incredible it's it's a cool spot and it's like right downtown so it's and you can i mean there's parking yeah. Like that's that's I know that's, that's a quick way to get me to like your yeah. video. <laughs> I love when you're like in a different city. You're like, what do you mean you have a whole parking lot? Yeah. <laughs> like, like, yeah. Especially like, like when you're like on tour and like you're like advancing a show. And you're like, what about parking? And they're like, there's a lot. And you're like, what? Like, what? Yeah. yeah. No. When people, the amount of times do we have I've to had pay? You. And they're like, no. And you're like, oh, so you just have space. Yeah. Bands crazy coming to the central and they're just like, there's no parking. I'm like, where? Like, what are we supposed to do? I'm like. Oh. Dri- that's, drop your that's shit on off, you, dude. Yeah. I know. I've I've parked and Ubered before. Oh, oh yeah, know? and to to a venue. It's yeah. It's sometimes 
That's what you got to do. <laughs> but you're right. I, when there's just available parking, I've it's had just magical. I've had friends in town that were like touring from like Toronto and like they were playing like up on the hill. They're like, well, we, ha- we can't leave our like van and trailer here tonight because they have like a bus coming in for tomorrow that gets here like three o'clock in the morning. Like, where do we park it? They were seeing it like some like tiny little hotel like up on Capitol Hill. And I was like, <laughs> I have, I was like, I was like, I could just drive it down and park it in front of the loading zone at Corazon and take an Uber back up. Like, we're not doing that. And it was, they tried to like park it in like a full parking lot and like yeah. a drive through space. We're like, you're never going to make this turn. I have never been more anxious. I was like the yeah. only one like left in the van yeah. is they're trying to like guide it through like half an inch on each side. I'm like, this is terrible. <laughs> Why can't we just park it on a curb somewhere else? Yeah. <laughs> Lee, what's the last show you worked? Um, we made the decision to close down a little early. So we closed down March 12th um, before the official close of uh, March 15th. So I remember the last show I think we had that I was going around to was Purple Main. Okay. So wow. Yeah. I know. Yeah. So they, they were having, they had a sold out crowd and, and I, that was the last time we saw our, our room full. Yeah. And that that was on March fifteenth. It was on March seventh. March seventh. Okay. I think my last bit like show that I remember was March seventh too. Yeah. What what show was that? What well, was the last thing? I don't remember. We had a couple small ones like that week before like shut down at like Funhouse that I I'm not I don't remember really what they were because I was kind of you know like in and out as I usually am. Um, but no, at that point, like no one was showing up for shows. So it's like, there's tickets mm-hmm. sold, but there's no one here. And you kind of feel bad for the bands because they want to play to people, but people aren't feeling safe about showing up, which is kind of why I made the decision to, you know, like we're not doing anything. And then of course the decision came like the next two days or whatever. The last, and I for, completely forgot about this show until I found like my working pass. It was like on my coffee table. It was for March 7th and it was keen at the show box. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, that, I was at that show. Yeah. That show was great. And when I like completely forgot that it happened. I was like, I don't know what my last show was, and I saw that. I was like, wow. When well, was that more. again? I think it was March 7th. March 7th. Okay. Michael. That um, might be wow. his last show, too. We don't oh, know. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, uh, no. Uh, we had, I mean, I do, I do sound a lot here, and we had uh, this great band, um, Talkton and Easy, that are kind of like a alt-rock, mm-hmm. indie, indie rock band, and... It was, I mean, exactly kind of what Lee was saying. Like we had seen numbers go, to, like attendance go drop regardless of ticket sales, and it was just you. You have to be, you have to make pretty like community conscious decisions because if, say, somebody got sick or something like that, like we need to edge on the side of caution always sure. yeah. to protect our our reputation and the community that. Attend shows, and so we, we kind of got to that the thirteenth point, and and then it was, I mean, two days later they they closed everything down anyway. So it was. Well, and it's kind of funny watching that situation kind of unfold in other parts of the country. So like I don't know if you're aware, but there was a Biden ad that had a venue owner in it talking about it. In New York or no? Was was that East Coast? Uh, Yes, it was East. It was Blind Pig. Yeah. Pittsburgh, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, and I knew it was East Coast. Everyone but, started yeah. giving the owners so much, so many problems because, like, well, you voluntarily shut down. They didn't shut you down. This is your fault. And it's just like, at what point am I putting people at risk for my benefit? And the kind of hell he would catch well, if they, he opened they up the and, ad. And, yeah. They pulled the ad. He started getting death threats. Oh, my God. It was only up for a couple of days, and it was like a kind of a historic thing. It was like the first like ad that like that there was Beastie Boys music. In. It was the first time they've ever licensed their music to a political campaign. Yeah, and it featured this venue owner, and they had to pull it. He started getting death threats, and like all these like 
weird things where people are like, well, you shut down on purpose. You have like your own money. It's like there ha- there's a weird line where it's just like, at what point do you like if he didn't voluntarily shut down and people were getting sick, then it's just like, well, you should have shut down even if they didn't force you to. Like that's a lose lose situation. But the fact that like he made that decision for his customers and his community's safety and mm-hmm. it's still like an issue is yeah. crazy to me. Absolutely. Yeah. Tune in next week for the rest of the interview. Thank you.